All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza and partnered with SB Nation's Big Cat Country at BigCatCountry.com. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. Hey, what's up guys? It's JK3. So we've got a lot to touch on today, including the epic 45-42 victory over the Steelers and uh, definitely going to get, we posted a little bit of this on Twitter, uh, JK3's experience up in Pittsburgh. He just got back. Derek, I think you said you saw some uh, frostbite uh, on his face still, Uh, so that's, that's concerning. So we'll talk to him about that. Uh, but first, uh, we're joined today by a second-time guest uh, who was on back when we first fired Gus Bradley, and we're looking for potential replacements, of which included two Patriots coordinators, Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia, the former being a potential new coach in our division, uh, but we'll get to that later. And that guest is Rich Hill, managing editor of SB Nation's Pat's Pulpit at patspulpit.com. Hey, Rich, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. We're uh, complaining about the cold weather in Jacksonville, uh, the type of thing that people <laughs> from up north like you make fun of. So, uh, what is it? Is like sixty five right now? Um, yeah, something like that. I think what is it like fifties, maybe sixty, <laughs> something like that. No, it's actually supposed to oh, drop wow. to like twenty nine tonight. Uh, oh, is it? Okay, yeah, that's, it's a that's legitimately cold. Yeah, but you know, it could drop to sixty, Rich, and everybody's got on their parkas and peak coats out here, man. So, <laughs> yeah. So, kind of just jokingly, and we kind of mentioned this before you got on. Uh, is it surreal that uh, the Jags are the opponent for your Patriots in the AFC Championship game? You know, if if you asked me before the season if this had any chance of happening, I would have laughed. I, I would not have even put the Jaguars in the, the playoffs. But by the end of the year, honestly, if we were looking at like week 12, week 13. I was legitimately concerned about the Jaguars stealing one of the, the bye weeks away from New England. And I honestly thought that they were probably the most difficult matchup for the Patriots in the playoffs. Well, that's good to hear on our side. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully it is a difficult matchup. Um, well, to kind of get started, just a kind of a quick story. Um, I was at the uh, the Florida Forum last night, which is kind of a, a fundraising event where they have guest speakers um, here in Jacksonville, and they had uh, Theo Epstein, of course. You know the uh, I guess I don't know if he's the GM or more so like the team president with the Cubs now, but anyway, he used to be with Boston, uh, obviously. Uh, Mark Lamping, the Jags team president, was there in attendance, and the moderator brought up plenty of Jags Pats talk. And so Epstein uh, kind of said that he was a fan of Coughlin and his style, and um, you know, of course, mentioned that he grew up in that area. So of course, he's a, a Patriots fan. I'm assuming. Um, you know, the Pats they've had their trouble with uh, Coughlin in the past. Uh, does it give you guys any uh, kind of anxiety with Coughlin at the helm with the Jags? You know, maybe not in the coaching capacity, but just his potential influence on the game this Sunday. Well, I've never been concerned uh, about the Patriots playing a Tom Coughlin team with, uh, you know, a great running game, a terrific pass rush, and a very, very up-and-down question mark of a quarterback. So that's never come back to <laughs> bite the Patriots previously. So, <laughs> yeah, um, right. Yeah. I, I, see, I think that the biggest benefit for Coughlin against Bill Belichick and the Patriots is that he never blinked against him. You know, he, he knew Belichick having grown, uh, grown up with him, coaching with him uh, alongside underneath Bill Parcells. So whenever they played each other, he didn't look at Belichick with this kind of mystique. And so I think that's, that's his biggest benefit to wherever he is, that no one is going to be afraid of anyone else when you have Coughlin leading the team. Yeah, no, it's um, Coughlin has definitely brought some mental toughness to the team 
I think, you know, with that and then the fact of the, the coaching staff, that's where we are today. And um, the, the O-line has definitely showed some toughness. We were critical of them early on. I know I was, and they have really turned out some great games. I think three or four games with no sacks. And with Bortles, you know, actually being having the ability to run and be mobile uh, in the Pats, lack thereof, pass rush. Uh, does don't you think that should make Pats fans a little bit nervous, or is just Tom Brady heal all wounds and all weaknesses? <laughs> well, I, I would agree with that diagnosis. Uh, up until last week, when the Patriots had eight sacks on Marcus Mariota, which was just <laughs> that was a huge surprise to everyone. You know, I mean, we had no idea that they were capable of doing that, and so I don't know if it's a testament to the coverage down the field. But we had some guys named Gino Grissom that was, you know, on the practice squad at the beginning of the year. He had two sacks on Mariota. So we don't know. We we have honestly no idea what the Patriots are cooking. Maybe they were capable of doing that all season, and they just decided it'd be more of a, you know, a strategic move to do the mush rush and keep quarterbacks inside the pocket instead of trying to go with the all-out sack and allow them to escape. And so – Maybe they'll treat Bortles as a mobile quarterback, just like they did with Mariota, and do some of that mush rush thing, and the coverage will allow them to get home. Good. Yeah. Hey, well, just to piggyback off of uh, you know defense and, and a little bit of defensive talk, uh, we've heard a couple things in the media this this week early, and I think it's probably one of those Jedi mind tricks that the Patriots use. But there's been a lot of compliments to our defense, uh, you know, coming up this week against the Patriots, and it's like that one of those dream matchups that everybody has been putting our defense up against. Well, they've done this, they beat this team, they beat that. Now it's like the ultimate eye test, uh, you know, against the uh, the Patriots. So, what do you actually think? you know, we can do to keep the goat in the barn. Uh, and then for you guys that don't know what I'm talking about, keep Tom Brady off the field. You know, how can we, what, what the defense, what can we do as a defense to keep him off the field? Yeah. Well, so the, the Jaguars, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one. I know that Todd Wash comes from that Pete Carroll style of defense. He was their former defensive line coach. So they, I think he adheres a little bit more to what Pete Carroll likes on that defensive front. And then he's changed it up a little bit on the back. I know y'all do a lot of that cover three, but I believe Barry Church drops back to split the the safeties a little bit more than Cam Chancellor ever did with the Seahawks. And so I really like what the the Jaguars have on defense. They have a front four that can generate a lot of pressure. Uh, I mean, you go across the board and even some of their depth players, you you know, you got, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Yannick. How do you, how do you pronounce his last name? Yannick. Yeah, Yeah, Yannick. How do you pronounce it? It's a, is it Yannick or Yannick? Yeah, I think technically it's Yannick. Yeah. Yannick Ngakwe. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Ngakwe. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, you got Clive Campbell, who in my mind is one of the best defensive linemen in the league. He's that perfect hybrid of what the Seahawks like to have. He's like part red Bryant against the run and part Michael Bennett against the pass. And he can do it all. He's fantastic. Malik Jackson has always given the Patriots a lot of problems. And then Dante Fowler, I believe he comes in on the, the sub rush sorts of situations to come after there. He takes Pazlozny off the field. And so they have a lot of players up front that can get after Brady. And that's the biggest thing for defenses when they play New England is that you shouldn't blitz at all. You know, use your linebackers to crowd the middle of the field, take away those passes underneath to Danny Amendola, clog the passing lane to Rob Gronkowski, make sure the running backs don't get free releases. And that's what having a front four that can just create so much havoc is important with. 
And with the, you know, the secondary, y'all have two all pros back there. You'll, they'll do their thing against the Patriots wide receivers. Patriots receivers have been boomer bust this year. Brandon cooks is the deep threat. He'll sometimes get a 70 yard catch. Sometimes he'll get, you know, 30 yards all game. Chris Hogan missed the entire second half of the season with a shoulder injury. So the, I would say that the advantage on the cornerback wide receiver is very heavily in the Jaguars' favor. But the big thing, and that's why it's important not to blitz, is to make sure that Rob Gronkowski doesn't get going. And that's where Barry Church plus a linebacker will be super important to, him, to make sure that he just doesn't get a free release off the line of scrimmage, make sure that he's bracketed as much as possible. You mentioned the cover three. You know, JK3 and I were, or John, John and I were just talking about the uh I think a couple episodes ago, Rich, we get very nervous when the Jags drop back in cover three zone. Extremely nervous because someone always gets out of position. We don't know why, we don't know what it is, but this is definitely not the game to do it against Tom Brady, man. Yeah, no, that's true. But uh I, I think also the Patriots do have a fair amount of experience against this type of a defense. They they played the Falcons earlier this year. Uh, I guess they also technically played them the last year in the Super Bowl. Uh, they've played the Seahawks multiple times over the years. And so they have a general idea of how they want to approach them. And maybe you, you can shed some light on this side, too. Uh, the Patriots love to attack that cover three Pete Carroll style of defense by throwing to running backs in the flat using their slot receivers to do those little in-out whip routes, kind of, and then Rob Gronkowski up on the seam and doing his deep out routes when the, the wide receivers clear out some space for him. Who on the Jaguars do you think match up well against them, or has that kind of given them trouble this season, too? Um, just to just jump in, the tight end has always killed this team. Uh, it doesn't matter what year it is, what uh, decade we're in. We've had a historic... Uh, you know, just breakdown against the tight end. And that's what really scares me the most about this game is we're coming up with probably, you know, the best tight end uh, in football right now with, with Gronkowski. And so I think personally, I, I think they should cover him with a, uh, a nickel corner like Aaron Colvin and then maybe have, uh, you know, some, some type of help over the top, you know, uh, like that, because I think, like you mentioned earlier, with Chris Hogan, Brandon Cooks, I mean, you know, our our safety, I mean, our uh, corners are very capable of covering them. I mean, it's not like we're going up against AB uh, again this week or, or anything else like that. It's it's Chris Hogan and and Brandon Cooks. I definitely think they can do that. The the deep threat is definitely going to come from uh, Gronk or any of those big chunks of yards that we got to get as well. Do you think that there's any merit to the idea of Jalen Ramsey covering Gronkowski? Because that's something that Pro Football Focus suggested. I don't know uh, if the the Jaguars subscribe to that. I really, I think they do, right? They're all about the analytics. I'm sure that they they follow Pro Football Focus pretty heavily. Um, uh, they sort but- they sort of were they sort of were, but when Coughlin came in, like from what we've understood in some interviews from people who know stuff behind the scenes, they've moved away from that quite a bit, actually. Really. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting because Doug Marone in his meeting today, uh, or maybe it been yesterday, but he came out and was like, yeah, I'm all about the analytics. So maybe they're still doing the analytics, but they're not doing the pro football focus stuff anymore. But neither here nor there. They're the ones that suggested that Ramsey covered Gronkowski because apparently the passer rating towards Gronkowski this year falls from like 120 to 50 when he's covered by a cornerback instead of a safety. So I don't know. Has Jalen Ramsey covered tight ends at all this year? No, he hasn't really. Usually he covers the team's best wide receiver. That's because Gronk is deceptively quick 
for as big as he is. And most people don't realize that. Um, you see, he's not just a physical freak that pushes you out the way and jumps and gets the ball. He's very nimble on his toes from what I've seen. So it's going to be interesting if they put Ramsey on him. You know, there's been the whole, well, he's not Tlaib. Tlaib's bigger than Ramsey. Gronk will muscle him up all day. Um, it, it'll definitely be an interesting matchup if they, if they, if they lock him up man on man, because the, what I'm, what I'm thinking is, you think they're just going to put Gronk split out with Ramsey on an island? No. They're going to put him on the line. They're going to put him in the backfield. They're going to flex him out. They're going to do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I, I didn't know if maybe they ever used Ramsey towards the inside of the field. Because some of the teams that have had a lot of success against the Patriots and covering Gronkowski, one of it, I think it was in 2015, where the Bills with Rex Ryan, they played Stephon Gilmore on the inside. They had him shadow Gronkowski wherever he went. And it was because they felt comfortable enough with their depth at cornerback that they felt that, you know, the, the other cornerback covered the Patriots' top wide receiver. And the, the Jaguars have that. You know, they could put A.J. out there on Cooks and feel like he could do a pretty good job. And Chris Hogan's still working his way back from injury. So uh, I, I think that it wouldn't be a terrible idea to put Ramsey out there because he's, he's a big dude. And, you know, he, isn't he like 6'2", 215? Uh, or something like that. Maybe he's like six one. But yeah, Matthew Slayer, you know, he said God created a cornerback and said, "Here's Jalen, uh, here's Jalen <laughs> Ramsey." So, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, well. if there is a one on one matchup that the Jaguars could do against Gronkowski, and that would allow them to dedicate their defensive resources in a potentially more favorable way, I'd actually consider putting Ramsey inside to, to shadow Gronkowski everywhere. Yeah, I think that it, that is good, but it's just one of those things where. If we go ahead and go ahead and take take away Gronk, what else do they got waiting for this defense? Because, I mean, it's a young defense. They're definitely going to be coming up the field in a hurry uh, and definitely try to get one of those shots on Brady because that's one of the talks of saying, if you hit Brady, you get in his head, you rattle him. But, I mean, there's no rattling Tom Brady, in my opinion. I don't think so. So, I mean, do you if, if the Gronk option is shut down, uh, do you think they uh, transition over to, you know, maybe some out in the flats or, you know, back to one of those quick whip routes? Yeah, well, a big part of what they will try to do early on, especially to counter that defensive line in the pass rush, is definitely get those running backs involved pretty early. You know, they'll, they'll put Deion Lewis and James White out there. Rex Burkhead is expected to return. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are multiple snaps where both of them were on the field. They really challenged Telvin and Miles to, to make sure that they could cover them. And you know what? Maybe even just flex them out wide. They've done that at times. They put them both in the slot just because they're capable of doing that and just try to get a favorable mismatch that way. So they'll definitely throw or use those swing passes to the running backs as an extension of the run game because I know the Jaguars have struggled at times against the run, but the Patriots like to take the teeth off of the pass rush by getting their running backs out into space to make sure that when they, they fake a running back out to the flat, it'll give Tom Brady some more time in the pocket to find a other receiver deeper down the field. So, Rich, we're going uh, to jump to the other side of the ball. You know, most people really aren't looking at the Patriots D versus the Jags. Oh, because, you know, our quarterback is just the biggest question mark no, known to man. You don't know who's going to show up. Um you know, you, you guys have some pr- pretty decent DBs back there. And uh, always, you know, Belichick's kind of a defensive guy, but – you guys were like top five in yards allowed, but then top five in points allowed, you know, <laughs> um, whereas like, you know, you gave up the least amount of points in top five, but then you gave up, you know, 
a lot of yards. So that bend but don't break mentality, I mean, that kind of plays right into our hands with Leonard Fournette and play action. Um, anything, any, anybody in the secondary besides, you know, uh, you know, um, Butler that we need to be concerned about? Uh, I don't know what you guys got. Butler, Chung, uh, trying to think what the other, uh, McCordy, yeah. Um, it, just because the, the Jags have definitely, gone up against, you know, top competition. We, we, we faced some playoff teams during the regular season, and just because you got a couple pro bowlers back there, a couple all pros, um, we're taking these young receivers and putting them out there against these guys and have done okay at times. Just, again, depends on five. Yeah, I mean, it's been super impressive what Bortles was able to do in the month of December without any of the starting wide receivers, right? He, he was down yeah. uh, AR, he was down Hearns, he was down Lee mm-hmm. until the finale or something like that, so... He, he was able to do it with get some other guys some good experience out there. And Keelan Cole is just a great deep threat. D.D. Westbrook is, you know, he's been super productive as well when he's been given some opportunities to go out there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are players out there. And so New England, what they like to do, especially against a team like the, the Jaguars offense, I think you could watch what they did against the Titans and expect them to do something fairly similar where – uh, the Tennessee, Derrick Henry was the engine of their offense. You know, the number one and two on yards for Tennessee this season was DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Murray couldn't play. And so, therefore, all of it went on to, to Derrick Henry to carry the load. And so, New England really, really dedicated their defensive resources to making sure that Derrick Henry couldn't get going. And so, they stacked the box. They used three defensive tackles on the field. They used the bare front with five men on the line. And I would expect them to do something similar because they had a lot of success doing that against Tennessee. And the Titans have a really good offensive line. So uh, the, the Patriots did such a good job that the average second down for Tennessee was second and 11. So oh, the, wow. the Patriots were able to force a lot of, yeah, they were able to force a lot of negative yards. They were able to, you know, draw a bunch of penalties because of what they were able to accomplish at the line of scrimmage. And that just forced Marcus Mariota to have to throw the ball on second and third down to just to move the chains. It really removed Henry from the equation. And when you looked at the matchups, when the Titans had to throw the ball, the, the Patriots had a pretty favorable lineup. You know, Malcolm Butler was an all pro last year. He hasn't been as great this season, but he's been pretty solid. And then Stephon Gilmore, he's the guy that locked down Gronk a couple years ago. He's the Patriots' big-ticket free agent signing. He's been an incredible, incredible since uh, he returned from his injury after the bye week. He's been just a shutdown corner. I think he only allowed one catch all over like the past two weeks of the season. He's just been incredible. Uh, and then you add in Devin McCourty. He's a very solid kind of star player. They, they move him all around the formation. Patrick Chung does a great job against tight ends. And Jerron Harmon's our definite deep free safety. He's kind of the ball hawk guy that'll get all the interceptions. But you match those guys up. You had Eric Decker kind of had a productive day. Most of it was in garbage time. But he was also going against Rashard Matthews and Corey Davis. And when you compare the the Jaguars wide receivers to the Titans, I mean, from like a talent perspective, if you looked on paper, I would say that the Titans have a, a slight edge based off of the Jaguars' current roster with everyone kind of dealing with their injuries. And so the, the Patriots did a good job at preventing the Titans from getting anything going when they needed to pass the ball. And because the Titans were always in second and long, third and long situations, the secondary didn't have to be concerned about biting against potential play action. And so therefore the secondary was always in great position. 
to, you know, to either defend the pass or deter the pass. And that is part of the reason why the Patriots were able to get eight sacks because Mariota had to hold on to the ball. No one was able to get open and the pressure got home. Well, Rich, uh, appreciate the info, by the way. This is really good uh, information because I really haven't followed the, the Pats too much up until this week, knowing that we're going to be uh, facing them, obviously. So uh, so good information. I'm sure our listeners really appreciate the in-depth analysis there. Um, Matt Patricia, you know, by all reports, I guess this is official. I don't know. It still seems weird that this would be something that's announced like while they're still playing, but um, is, uh, I guess, heading to Detroit in the offseason. And now the word is uh, supposedly Josh McDaniels is going to be coaching one of our two uh, division rivals, potentially the Titans or the Colts. Uh, I guess joining Bill O'Brien is another Patriots coaching tree guy in the AFC South, which is kind of interesting. Um, obviously, we're a little bit more worried about McDaniels uh, and his move uh, since it'll be affecting us uh, twice a year. Um, how are you guys seeing McDaniels fare in his second uh, head coaching stint? And do you think the Patriots will take a hit, uh, you know, a big hit by losing uh, one or two or both of those guys? Yeah, well, with, with Matt Patricia, it's kind of one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You're not allowed to do it officially until they're out of the playoffs. But yeah, he's definitely going to Detroit by all measures and all notes. And actually, sleeper pick for the Tennessee Titans is former Patriots linebacker Mike Vrabel. There could be a, a handful of former Patriots coaching the, the rest of the division. And so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to Josh McDaniels, I, I think he's learned so much since his stint with the Broncos just ended so disastrously. He'd be the first to admit that he didn't connect with his players. He didn't connect with the coaches. He didn't listen to people. He wanted to assert his authority in, in ways that he hadn't earned and he knows that, you know, he, he was very humbled by that failed experience. And I, I think that there's been all these articles written of how he has a notebook and how he's written down all of his lessons that he's learned every day and what he wants to take to his new team. And I mean, he needed that. He was that whiz kid that needs to get knocked down a peg. He did. He's come back. He's been even better. I mean, he's been in my mind, the best offensive coach in the NFL for the past three seasons. Uh, his his run in the 2014 postseason, I guess for the past four seasons, his run in the 2014-15 playoffs where the Patriots came back against the Ravens twice from 14-point deficits when they steamrolled the, the, the Colts and when they beat the Seahawks. That was probably one of the most impressive coaching displays I've ever seen, and he's really built off of that. And so if you pair him with a, a young quarterback that needs a good scheme that, you know, has a lot of skills, he's going to be perfect. And whether it's Andrew Luck or Marcus Mariota, he's going to do a great job with that offense. Both teams have a lot of talent surrounding them too. You know, you either have T.Y. Hilton or you have Corey Davis growing up. I mean, Eric Decker is a solid guy whenever he was in, in Denver. So he still has it in him so long as he's healthy. And I mean, sure, McDaniels would love to have Delaney Walker as well or Jack Doyle. So there, there are some pieces in place for him to work with. And I, I really do believe that he's going to be far more successful the second time around than he was in that first one, because <laughs> really there's the only way to go is up from that one. Right. And then to kind of uh, finish off and we'll let you go, is the Kraft Brady Belichick drama stuff, is that real? And are you guys freaking out? Yeah, no, no one's really freaking out. Uh, I think that there is certainly tension going on behind the scenes. Uh, I, I think that it was more multiple different tensions that kind of got lumped into one big, oh my gosh, let's let's link these all together. But first one, there's definitely tension between Brady and Belichick over Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. Uh, 
but I don't think it's anything worse than when Belichick didn't resign Wes Welker or he traded Logan Mankins. You know, it it's happened. They brushed, they've dusted shoulders before, and then they just won and they moved on from that. That's one <laughs> conflict. I think that's separate from everything. Another conflict is that Brady did want an extension. Brady won a Super Bowl. He wanted some more assurances that he'd be with the team till he was 45. He wants to be a Patriot for life, and his contract. You know, he has two more years on it. They, they won't move on from him in 2018. They just, like, can't from a financial standpoint. They'd be, like, $20 million in dead money. But in 2019, that it's a little less sure. And so there was definite concerns in Brady's camp that Patriots would franchise tag or find an extension with Jimmy Garoppolo for 2018. They would play out that one. And then all of a sudden you get to 2019, and now Brady's on shaky footing because he doesn't have that long-term contract anymore. He's entering his franchise year be very easy for the Patriots to move on from him without having a big cap hit. And then they could just transition to Jimmy Garoppolo. So nothing to do with Garoppolo himself. Brady just wanted his own contract to be extended. He didn't care if Garoppolo was around. It was more for his own personal self-assurance that he wanted to stay. And then there is another one that was between Belichick and Kraft where Belichick didn't want to lose Garoppolo, not because he wanted to get rid of Brady, but just because he wanted to be ready in case Brady started to decline. And you know what? Brady was playing like an MVP this year. Garoppolo became expendable just because Brady continued to, to buck the trend. And so he decided, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to start from scratch next year, draft a new prospect. I think Garoppolo is a franchise guy. I don't want him to come back and hurt us. I'm going to send him to San Francisco where he'll get a long-term deal. Maybe we'll only have to see him once every four years. Right. What I was getting at is I was hoping there was like some distractions going on there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Heading into the game someday. So nothing, nothing there, I guess. That stinks. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they've, uh, they put it in the past, or at least they took out all of their aggression against the Titans. So <laughs> they, they're yeah, I got sticking you. together right now. That was a tough spot for us because we, uh, with an epic passion, hate the Titans. But if we... If you guys lost that game, we could have gotten a uh, another home game. So we were kind of torn on that. But uh, it was kind of like a win either way if they lose uh, or if they win. So uh, either way, um, yeah, Rich, we appreciate it, man. We'll link up uh, your uh, – you guys had a lot of good uh, Jags, Pats articles up. Uh, so if you guys out there want to do a little bit of scouting before the game, just kind of read up on what the uh, the opposing uh, side's thoughts are. Uh, we'll put some of those articles and obviously the, the website and the uh, podcast description. And uh, you can also – so follow him and uh, his Pats coverage leading up to the game on Twitter at PP underscore Rich underscore Hill and at Pat's Pulpit for the site itself on Twitter as well. So, um, Rich, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time and coming on again. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. So kind of transitioning again. Thanks to Rich for joining us. Uh, JK3, It was uh, we put some uh, good pictures up. You had some stuff up from your time in Pittsburgh. And I know you've had some some good stories. So kind of kind of if you don't mind walk us through like the the plane ride like when you got there what was going Man, on forget the plane ride dude. <laughs> all right when you got there all right how much black and yellow did you see how much crap did they talk and what was it like after the game when it was crickets and it was just teal and black all over the city i bet <laughs> so um I, I gotta say man the the city of pittsburgh itself now that we've beaten them and got it all out of the way it, awesome city uh, you know, the city looks like a postcard, man. It's, it's crazy to see, you know, all the bridges, the ice, uh, the snow, the uh, Heinz Field sits like in a valley kind of. And there's like this huge 
Mount Washington, where we stayed at the Airbnb, you know, it was really good. We could see the stadium uh, from our like a, little, a couple blocks of the Airbnb. Uh, so it was awesome city. But, yo, when we landed, man. It was crazy to see black and yellow everything. I mean, it was from whether it was Pittsburgh Pirates, whether it was uh, the Steelers, uh, whether it was the Penguins. Uh, I think even some of the local high schools, <laughs> their stuff there is black and yellow. It's just, you know, the unbelievable a city pride, unbelievable uh, sports passion, and and really an unbelievable sports town, man. It was just one of those things where when people saw the Jaguar logo, they were just like, wow, you guys really came up here from Jacksonville to see your team get beat. And it's like, ah, we, we call this Duval North for a reason. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we're here. So I, I didn't really do do a, do a good job of not intact, not poking the bears. So I was kind of poking them a lot the the entire time we were there. So what about like the end stadium experience? Because first of all, you had some awesome seats. I don't know if you got like the hookup on that, but I was like amazed at the seats you were able to pull off. Um, but like, how were the fans in terms of like treating you? Like as like, how was the atmosphere as the game progressed from like despair to a comeback to the end with the crazy uh, decision by Tomlin? Like like walk us through that whole uh, sequence. Funny story about the seats, man. So. Um, my friend Joey, uh, he took he he took the you know bull by the horns and booked all the tickets and everything. And event at first we were sitting in the corner like where the Jacks came out of the tunnel. So we're like, oh man, that's awesome. And then later on that day, he texted me and was like, hey, I sold those tickets to another Jacks fan. Some other tickets that Ticketmaster just released are open, and we're sitting on like the fifty three yard line on the Pittsburgh side, like twenty rows up. And it was just like, oh my God, this is going to be great. So, um, sitting, sitting there. And one thing that, that their stadium has is, is a lot of, um, it has a really good old school feel to it. There aren't a lot of places to watch the game other than in your seats. And I think they do that purposely because they want everybody in their seats waving their yellow, uh, their, their terrible towels. They want everybody there getting loud. And it definitely does make a huge, huge, huge impact when that team gets rolling and everybody starts waving their towels and everybody starts screaming and everything else like that. It's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy scene. You know, you can watch it. They have like this, uh, I want to say like their standing room only areas are kind of like our uh, escalators. Like when we walk up to the stadiums, that's what kind of what their, their standing room only, only looks like. But other than that, they don't have places like the bud zone or, the Cleveland or the party deck or the cooler or any of those other places down where you can actually watch the game. You can only really watch it from either the game itself, like in your seat, the standing room only or at a bar at home. Oh, the the fans, they were, um, man, it was, it it was crazy. Just to give you an idea, there are some, um, there are some people and my boss told me this. He's a huge Steelers fan. He told me personally that he has family members that are on government assistance for food stamps, but they have season tickets to the Steelers game. <laughs> so that lets you know what they put their priorities and where they where they wanted to. The fans were insane. I mean, I literally got called every name in the book. Oh, really? Uh, besides besides anything racial, <laughs> well, I got cool. called. Every, I got called every name in the book. But was it like friendly uh, or was it mean? You know what I mean? No, it wasn't friendly. It was, it, mean. It was not friendly at all. It was no, mean, it was man. it was terrible. Really? It was ter- like it, abusive? It started almost? when we 
it started when we got to the stadium. We got to our we we get to the stadium. Of course, everybody's just booing us. People are kicking snow at us. Oh, um, yeah. Just like literally making it you know hell for us to come into the stadium. We get into the stadium and everything else like that. Um, we we were sit, sitting in seats four, five, and six. So one, two, and three, their fans are already there. And we get there, and the guys just like looking at us like. Y'all are in the wrong seats. There's no way y'all are sitting here. And we're like, no, these these are our seats right here. We showed them on our phone. And he's like, well, how'd you get those seats? I mean, we got them on Ticketmaster. And then he starts cursing the guy that seats they were because he knew the season ticket owner. Uh-huh. He said, yeah, that guy moved to Florida like seven years ago, and he hasn't given up his season tickets. So every time somebody comes and sit here that's an opposing fan, I know exactly where they got those tickets from. So... Uh, so they were kind of they were kind of iffy, but the guy next to me, two guys next to me that were really cool. Um, the, the ladies, there were some ladies that were in front of us that were awesome, and some people behind us that were cool. So we were really surrounded by nothing but Steelers fans because one, we we're on the fifty yard line; two, we're only like twenty rows up; and three, uh, it's a home playoff game for them. So uh, there was a little, there was a, a couple of Jags fans scattered in that section and everything, but there was a guy that was probably four rows behind us. And he gave it to us the entire game. Like, literally, you know, the Bortles drives down and scores, and, of course, we go crazy. No one really cares at that point because it's 7-0. They've been in a 7-0 before. Miles Jack throws the interception. We go crazy again. It's still really not that bad because they think that they're going to go ahead and get us into a field goal situation. We score with Fournette. Crazy, right? So... We stop them on a couple of fourth downs. And then when we stop on a couple of fourth downs, this is when things start to get sketchy. Just like, <laughs> don't you, don't you stand up again? Don't you, I don't want to hear Duval anything. Really? Or, no, their thing was, their thing was Duval. I don't want to hear Duval anything from your mouth. Duval. Like, I don't want to hear you say anything. You're wearing that blankety blank teal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want you, 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 you saying anything. Um, they go 20, they go up 21 nothing. Silence. All you hear is Duval <laughs> in the stadium. All you hear are the, the contingent of the Jags fans that are sitting behind the Jags bench that are going crazy. There's some uh, guys sitting in the end zone where they came in going absolutely crazy. Uh, and then there's just little pockets of Jags fans all over the stadium that are just literally losing their mind at this point. And uh, it, it's just one of those things where... It was probably one of the coolest things to see when they actually came back because the crowd got into it when they came back. So the crowd gets back into it. They start playing all these cheesy Steelers songs. Here we go, Steelers. Um, this, this, all these crazy songs and everything. And then the terrible towels start to get rocking and start waving. And I think at this point right now, they're back and we're only up seven. And so they legitimately think they have a chance right now. And I'm telling you, the place was shaking, like shaking on third down. Then Blake gets the third down, and TJ yelled and absolutely baptizes Mike Mitchell <laughs> on that run. <laughs> and, and it goes silent again. And so it seems like every time they got him in a third down situation and we converted on the third down situation, it, it, it went, back, went back to being silent. Well, Derek, that kind of like gives me confidence heading into the next game because it's hard to it's hard to discern that kind of uh, vibe and feel on TV because honestly, like 
and I don't know if it's just background noise or they just don't have the crowd cut up very loud, but it didn't seem that crazy. But like the way you describe it for Blake to handle business like that and for the team to do so well, uh, Derek, I don't know about you. I feel a little bit more confident after hearing that with them going to uh, Foxborough. You know, we have the, the, the utmost confidence in our team as fans. We should. Uh, again, you know, Bortles, we've been saying it, you know, all season, all, you know, and especially in the playoffs, man, if he wants respect, he's got to go out and take it. And they took it last week. Um, looks like a lot of the Steelers fans took their butt cook kicking and went home too. Uh, but the Patriots fans are definitely very, uh, I think, although Steelers probably have a bigger following per se, cause Steelers fans are all over the, you know, the States, but Going up to, you know, Foxborough, man, I don't think there's going to be, you know, 50-yard line tickets <laughs> available. You know, that that's uh, – I've heard prices are, are crazy. Yeah, yeah. they're going to be more loyal than that. Um, so, it'll, you know, it'll you know there'll be tickets available for fans to go to. But it, it's the mystique you have to get around. It's almost like a lot of teams walk in to Foxborough and they are they lose before they even take the field because of the mentality. Well, yeah, they're shook. Yeah, they're shook. they're shook. Yeah, it's like it's like back in the day, Tyson used to beat people before they even got in the ring because they would just see him and be like, "Oh crap, here we go." Let's see, we got kryptonite. We got Coughlin. That's Belichick's kryptonite right there. You know, he he's not scared of him like Rich just talked about. Uh, they coached together in the Giants in the late '80s with uh, under Parcells. You know, Coughlin's, and I know he's not the coach. You know, Marone's the coach. We know this, but it's a trickle down effect. And those guys, you can tell they're not shook. Um, Jalen Ramsey, you know, everybody knows he made the comments about we're going to win this bit. You know, all that other stuff. <laughs> and, and, and people, twice you know, he people, said it twice. In the yeah, board. yeah. It's, and, and, and you know what? I still say that's passion. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. The whole team. Although, you know, Marone tried to downplay it. Yeah, Tom Brady, he's just a man, okay? He's just a man. He just happens to be a man that was playing in a game where Atlanta let up or where Pete Carroll decided to throw the ball, okay? Think about that. If Atlanta doesn't let up and Pete Carroll runs the ball like he should, we're talking about three Super Bowls instead of five. That's still a lot, don't get me wrong, but... He's developed this kind of aura about him that, you know, he can't be beaten. I didn't want to bring up the Patriots during the season because I just didn't think we could get there. But, hey, I'm wrong. I'm glad I'm wrong. We're here. Uh, So that's all it is. They just got to – they'll be focused. They'll be ready. Uh, They might get some snowballs thrown at them, Uh, some chowder, you know, uh, (laughs) poured on them. Uh, But – that would be really refreshing in the. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it, uh, that's an advantage, dude. It was when we when we stepped off the plane, like it, you know when you get off the airplane and then that little space in between the airplane and the terminal, yeah. that little I don't know the what that thing's way. called, but we got yeah jet we way. got off that thing, and that cold hit me in my bones. <laughs> that I mean that went right through my jacket, through my jeans, <laughs> and and stung me. What's like, funny is you put that video up, and I think the first comment, or I think we posted, or you posted, and the first person was like, "You look cold." <laughs> yeah, dude, I was, dude, I was unbelievable. When we woke up on game day, because we met up with the Bold City Brigade, and they had this uh, this meetup at this bar called McFadden. So everybody's getting up and getting ready to go. And uh, I knew I was gonna go outside and try to record something quick for y'all. 
um, and, and try to before I had too many beverages <laughs> uh, ready to go. But I went outside, man, and it was one degree, <laughs> one and, degree, and, and, I, and I one degree, and I, and I just said to myself, I, I don't. You guys can sell my ticket. I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> like, this is this is this is nuts. I mean, and everyone has, had told me that that had come from cold weather before. They're like, Kellum, all you got to do is keep your hands and your feet cold, or your hands and your feet warm. Everything else will be straight. Keep your hands, your feet. Uh, maybe your ears warm, you'll be all right. Keeping your hands and your feet warm is like finding a keeping like finding a I, I, a needle in a haystack. It is the most impossible thing to do. I put I had thermal socks on and I had two pair of those crew socks that like dads wear that come all the way up to you like your calf. <laughs> you know, I had two two pairs of those on. I had a pair of snow boots on, and nothing could keep my feet. Warm. I mean, I feel like I think I lost feeling in my toes, like no lie, <laughs> in the third quarter. And I, we were walking after we were walking out back to uh, to to meet with our, our our Uber driver. I said to myself, if someone steps on my foot right now, it's gonna shatter like glass. <laughs> it's just it's so cold, man. Well, that's uh the good thing. <laughs> I know we forgot about this. Is I guess you didn't get attacked or anything because you definitely didn't die because <laughs> that was the prediction. I did. I did not. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so jokes on whoever was betting on me dying in Pittsburgh. Uh, that I, that I did not. But all in all, man, you know, I I didn't. Re- we didn't really get a, a lot of it, trouble from the Pittsburgh fans. I mean, it was only. Just your normal, regular trash talk that you would see in a game, or that you would see outside of the game. After the game, it was very odd because we went back to McFadden's and we had a couple of guys there that was just like, "Hey, man, we appreciate you. You know, you guys are really true Jags fans. You you won. Uh, here's a round of shots." Oh wow! We're like, okay, okay. Uh, is is there, hopefully there's like this isn't formaldehyde or something <laughs> that I'm, uh, I'm about to start drinking or bleach <laughs> and. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was it was awesome, and I had I had a really good time. Yeah, I don't know. And then Derek, you mentioned the uh, Jalen Ramsey speech in the stadium. I really wanted to go to that, but they opened the gates at like six, and they weren't gonna actually get there till like nine thirty or ten. And you know, I got my my daughter and everything. So I was like, eh. But the look on uh, Brian Sexton's face by the time the second B word dropped, did you see him in the background? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 hey man, it's passion. They just need to let it go. You wanted you wanted a championship football team. We said we said this last year. When you have a championship team, you're gonna have one or two guys that think and tick a little bit differently. There, there, there's no filter with those types of you know with those types of players, those types of guys. Jalen Ramsey's definitely one of them. You can tell when he talks. Every time he talks, you know he talked. They they, they mentioned a, a matchup. You know what do you think about the AJ Green and the and the body slam, you know, that incident after he did finally talk about it. He goes, he was mad. He got mad because I shut him down. He could have went PC on that. He could have went professional on that. But he told the truth. So, hey, th- those are the types of guys that get you places. And every now and again, you get them in a public setting. And if they're fired up like he was, you're going to hear some more uh, <laughs> some more Ramsey out of him, you, you know, Uh it, it, it was funny to hear uh, Calais and or Malik interject like oh yeah his interview. I like that yeah. one. Oh man, that was so That's, that was so funny. Then Calais's face after <laughs> he was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's another one too, man. You know, uh, he's another one that, that you you just can't you you cannot uh, 
get them on the mic by themselves. You know, luckily <laughs> it was just a quick little snippet. But uh, if he probably had another 30 seconds, Jarrell Casey and him probably be scrapping somewhere here in Duval. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we definitely have like a really like unique mix of players. Like they definitely hit the jackpot. It seems like on the chemistry, especially like, did you guys watch the post game uh, locker room? Like with Telvin Smith and everything afterwards, Telvin, you know, he's always been a passionate speaker, you know, when talking to the team, he, he was like that at FSU. Um, just, just really, really all about togetherness and, and teamwork. You know, they, 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 they broke the huddle, uh, as family, they, they broke it down saying the word family, that's what it's going to take. And that's what it's going to take on Sunday to, to beat the Patriots. They got to do it together. It can't come from just a couple individual plays. Um, I, I think the greatest part of this whole process you can obviously see is although Bortles, you know, and like I said, we've been critical of him ourselves. I know I have been. But have you noticed the whole team is behind him now? Yeah. Like earlier in the season, they weren't. You can tell they weren't. Now they're behind him. They're not. Yeah, he might have had some bad games or bad years, and yeah, he stunk it up. But guess what? He's our quarterback. And if you don't like it, forget just confronting him. You got to confront all of us. A team. It was funny. Uh, it was funny pregame. My bad. I didn't mean to. No, you, you good. Um, it was funny doing like the pregame. <laughs> like you normally see like quarterbacks like looking over their like notes and like the the little surface tablets before the game starts. They showed Blake on the bench and he had his hands in his warmers and he was just like looking at his breath in the air. In the air. So he was just like we were like, dude, it's literally the division of playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a hostile environment, and you're literally watching your air. <laughs> you know, come out of your mouth. It, it was just funny, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much uh, he still kind of got that little, uh, I don't want to say immaturity, but just kind of like that fun nature about him, which I guess, I don't know, maybe that's endearing to his uh, teammates. I was uh, sending you, uh, just for everybody out there, I was sending them a video that I found. I guess you guys have already seen it on YouTube from like years ago when he first got drafted uh, from Barstool Sports. And I don't know, that guy's got a pretty funny uh, sense of humor. But it is good. I mean, I think what did Malik Jackson call him a dog? He said he's a dog. Yeah, he did. That's what it's going to take, man. That dog mentality. Um, it's not going to be easy if uh, if the if the Patriots or if the Jags, you know, go up twenty-one nothing or you know fourteen nothing. You know, just like the Steelers, the Patriots aren't going to sit back quietly. They're going to come back. So I'm excited. It's going to be a great game. Um, as far as some of the national media guys that still just hate on the Jaguars, y'all can take, you know, y'all can go jump in a, a cold river. Uh, nobody really cares about y'all. Uh, <laughs> just they can jump in the Allegheny, yeah, the Allegheny River. <laughs> yeah, come back down to Duval. You, you, you hate Jacksonville just because of the, the bad Super Bowl, you know, the, the accommodations that we had years ago. You just need to get over it and shut up. Um, especially if we win. So just, hey, we can't wait for Sunday. And, and Bortles again, man. Go take it. Go take that respect. Okay, you want it? Go take it. Yeah. Just for the record, I don't think the cruise ships were a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <That is. laughs> I will tell you that one thing, and I think Shad Khan, and this is getting off topic, but he's pretty much like said, like, we're not going to do the NFL uh, or the uh, Super Bowl for a while in Jacksonville again, which makes sense because we don't really have the infrastructure. But, like, even now – at least in the section where I sit, the men's bathroom still overflows like every single game. Like you walk in there and like, God, here we go. Here yeah, we go. you still on that bad? No, man. not the getting peed on thing. I'm talking about the uh, 
I'm talking about getting in Pittsburgh. They in Pittsburgh they had. Trouble. Oh, that's disgusting. See? That's so See? gross. Told you that is disgusting. Told you. I mean, some pervert came up with that idea. They're not worried about the bathroom. See, Khan is trying to develop that whole shipyards area. Once that starts booming in three or four years, that's when he'll probably throw the city back into the ring. You know, for the Super Bowl, or some national writers will say, "Oh, the Jags are going to host the Super Bowl in London at Wembley Stadium." Uh, you know. Oh, speaking of that, we forgot to talk about JK3's appearance on that other show. What was up with them bringing up the London thing? I thought that was dead. That was super annoying. <laughs> it's a running joke along with the tarps. Yeah. It's like, dude, we're not going to London just because we play over there. And like, I had to go into them talking about, you know, I was like, look, Shad Khan's a, a, a businessman. He wants to get his product out to as many people as he possibly can, which is okay. And on a grander stage, that's okay. We have a, a an office over there, which is okay, <laughs> but it, the, the team is staying here in Jacksonville. I mean, he's said it. If you live here in Jacksonville, the only people that know that the team is staying here in Jacksonville are the people that live here in Jacksonville, yeah. which I'm completely okay with that. I'm completely fine with that. That London thing is just such a, a stupid joke, but... I mean, they don't they don't have the context of, of everything like we do. That's why they don't get it. You know what I mean? Like they don't hear the speeches by the team each year and in the, in the uh, what do they call it? State of the Jaguars um, uh, presentation. They don't understand that the amphitheater was built on for the purpose of this not being, a, you know, with this being our home field period. Um, Derek, go ahead. No, they just, you know, like you said, they don't have that, that they don't they don't know about this information. They don't they don't care to read about it. They don't understand that, hey, there's not just one game played in London every year. Now there's like three. You want right. why? Because Khan has laid a roadmap. Hey, dummies, besides the 385 million Americans, there's also like 4 billion people, however many people there are in the world, that actually want to watch our product. Let's give it to them. So why are what? There's what? There's three games in London next year. So that's, you know, six teams total. They actually make money. You want to know why? Because if they have a chance to go to a game once a year, they're going to sell out a 100,000-seat stadium. They're going to sell jerseys and T-shirts and and hats and, you know, fan towels or whatever, and they're going to make money because at the end of the day, yes, it's a sport, but to the owners, it's a business. So they just need to to get over it, man. National media guys, I, I wish I could... Remember some of their names, or else I'd say it, tweet it to them, and tell them, you know, like I said, go jump in a lake, uh, go jump in a volcanic lake, for that matter. And um, gee, sounds like hell. Yeah. <laughs> go <laughs> to hell. Exactly, <laughs> jump in a volcano. That's what I wanted to say. Um, I'll tell you what, Derek. When you don't like somebody, you really go in on them because, like dude, last man, week, Chris dude. Sims. Remember that Chris Sims stuff? Last I can't week? stand that guy. That dude is. No, we know. We're not even going to go go into that man. He's just living yeah. off his daddy's name. So, yeah. Well, and and I don't mean to make fun of that pot. Like the blitzed NFL radio, they they seem like uh, pretty good sports. And uh, JK3 was on that. We'll put that in the podcast yeah. description. Um, and they were they were pretty cool. It seems like so. Yeah, man. Oh, another thing, too, that happened today, just uh, like not even in our agenda, but Calais Campbell getting another defensive player of the year. Or it's like, so is this one like an official, like NFL offensive or defensive player uh, of the year? I think or? it's like journalists. Oh, okay. yeah, like isn't it, Derek, like the National Writers Association or something like that? Like, Yeah, there's a couple different. There's like them, then there's the AP, then there's, you know, there's one more. I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, they. 
they have a few different ones that uh, give those awards out too. Yeah, and then one final thing, and then we'll wrap up because I know we're we're going a little long longer than we normally do. Actually, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on like when you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, all the like friends and family that you knew who didn't give a crap about the Jaguars are suddenly all about the Jaguars? Does that annoy you? Are you cool with that? Because <laughs> I'm mixed on it. <laughs> Man, I'm. I here's the thing. I I am. Man, I'm so mixed on it because I don't I don't have I don't have Facebook, so but I, I talk to people that diss the Jags like up from June up until like last week. They did not like the Jaguars. And now it's like, oh man, I have all this I, I've got all this Jaguar gear. And you can tell you can tell the fakes because they come out with the brand new, the crisp Jacksonville Jaguar shirts, like with the folds still in it. The, you know, it, it's just, it's a black t-shirt. And if anybody out here, you have black t-shirts, you know they fade after you watch them eventually. These these brand new crisp black t-shirts coming out, man. These new Leonard Fournette jerseys. I'm like, oh man, it must be good, man. Where, where's your Reggie Williams jersey at? <laughs> yeah. Where's your Matt yeah. Jones jersey? Yeah, man. Let me see your Matt Jones jersey, bro. And I bet you don't, don't talk to me about that. I bet you they didn't go to Ross either. I bet you they didn't go to TJ <laughs> no. Maxx. Oh no! Yeah, they they, no, they ordered that no. stuff. You know, you know, at the big box retailers or off the website. Uh, like I had a conversation with a client at, at the at my work today who was who probably is right. Like the te- it helps the team because it's more like I don't know if you saw they're already I think they said three times more uh, ticket renewals for next season than uh, than last year, which is amazing. So. Like you want to, and Derek, I'll let you kind of chime in, but I, you want to hate on it and be annoyed by it, but ultimately it helps the team, I guess, and helps the city. So you, that's that's where the kind of mixed feelings come from. It, it it is, you know, and we had, you know, everybody had the the differences with the kneeling and the flag and all that other stuff, and um, but it's all about the product on the field and the team from. You know, from coaching to operational, from a business standpoint, has done a fantastic job of putting a product out there on the field that fans can enjoy. And finally, we have something actually in this city that people can come together. Uh, I think that plays that that played into to the Jags' favor. It just makes it makes Khan look like a better you know businessman. It makes Coughlin look like a better football genius. It makes Marone look like a better coach. Uh, it makes the players look, you know, they're, they're playing as one. It's hats off to the whole to the whole organization, and um, if you know they're gonna sell three times as many deposits for season tickets, then hey, then that means we should. Uh, hopefully, we have some good games next year. Uh, I think you know with this AFC Championship matchup, I think we're slated to play the AFC East. I think the Patriots are slated to come here if I. They haven't got that exact date, but you know that'd be good. And then also, we we could be, you know, finally get some national TV. We better get some national TV next year, or else yeah, that's crap. we will. Yeah, yeah we will. It, Especially it, with at least all the, two games. Yeah, at least two games. Yeah, we will. I, I'm cool with the season ticket renewals and national, you know, TV games. As long as my parking doesn't go up, I'm. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I'm good. That parking. If that parking parking for the Pittsburgh game. Was sixty dollars? Yeah, sixty dollars the part. Hmm. And they yeah, ain't the, have, no, have no guys like with a chain link fence and a big old grill. Like park here nah. for twenty dollars, like they do no. down. No, you know, <laughs> over no. off the right absolutely now, not. That's funny. No, uh, uh-uh. nah, man. And the tow trucks were out. Oh wow, the, the tow trucks were out, man. If you don't park in one of those lots 
or, or one of the designated parking areas, it's a wrap, man. You 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 nah. You you can't you can't go on down to uh to cousin Booby's <laughs> lot and <laughs> you get you a plate. You get you a plate. Yeah, speaking of that, no, no, speaking no, no. of that, uh, down by the bank sponsored by Boobies Parking Lot, uh, available <laughs> on game days, $20. Uh, so, um, yeah, and all that new season ticket money, they need to fix that uh, P River in the men's bathroom, get that flooding oh, issue geez, uh, taken so. care of. So that's, that's a little ridiculous. I hate getting uh, wet shoes. So. Um, all right, so we'll uh, go ahead and wrap it there. If you guys could, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you could throw us a rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. We're close to 100. We're almost there. So if you could uh, put us over the top, that would be great. We, we should do we should do like the, the, the 100th podcast review. We should like come sing happy birthday to like your grandmother at her house or something. <laughs> they can request, yeah. They can request something like that, yeah. I can't sing, so I won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh jk3 you got tickets to the new england game too are you that are you that uh loaded there or no no i know i no 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 i'm not i am watching this game uh in sol- solitary I, there will my phone will be off um my windows will be closed i might put my hurricane shutters up mm. uh just in <laughs> case I, I go i go crazy and try to throw something through my windows um, my brother, oddly enough, is a Patriots fan and has been texting me all these this weird stuff about the Patriots and <laughs> weird stuff. I, I, yeah, and I'm just like, dude, Tom Brady is three and three uh, in his last six AFC Championships games. We have hope. Yeah. So stop it. We we we've got hope. But no, man, I, I I'm hoping. Uh, the guy at Walmart today asked me if I had a score prediction. I normally don't do predictions. I probably shouldn't do this prediction. I won't do it. Never mind. I won't do it because I want to jinx this. So oh, I don't know. You kind of built Never it up. Mind. You kind of built it up. No, no, no. I, Jaguars win. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying anything about the score. But yeah. What's that thing when you're in church and they do prayer requests, but if you have a prayer that you just want to keep to yourself and not, uh, you know what I'm talking about? I think it's just a, just a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I thought there was a name. I think that's what I think that's the the definition. That's a of regular prayer. prayer. Okay, maybe I'm not thinking of the right thing. I don't know. That was that was a weird <laughs> analogy. Anyway, um, okay. You, you ever you, does your church have a building fund? <laughs> uh, does it have a building you fund? Donate, <laughs> you donate twenty. <laughs> that's funny. All right, good stuff. Okay, so uh, no uh, score predictions. We'll wrap it up there. And uh, it's really crazy that we're even recording a podcast leading up to the AFC Championship game. It's super exciting. Uh, But we'll definitely be back next week depending – well, not depending on the outcome. We'll be back regardless. But uh, either way, uh, awesome season so far. And uh, good luck. Jaguars is coming Sunday. And we'll talk to you guys next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.